It's great to be here with you guys today. Uh, it's getting warmer. Have you noticed? Uh, now that I'm back in California, I feel my, like I'm asking the weather questions like, are you going to make up your mind yet? Like, is it going to stay cold? Is it going to stay warm? You know, it snowed last week. Now it's in the 80s. Like, you know, I don't know what's happening. But either way, it's good uh, to be able to worship together. I want to have a word of prayer before we continue. God, we are, again, here because of you. And we are here because we need you. We've worshipped you, and we want this to continue being about you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So when I was in high school, I, w- I wanted to look for a job, and I had a job, but I didn't really like that job. So I said, I'm going to find a different job. And I w- the place I wanted to go to was Best Buy. The Best Buy that wasn't too far away from our school. And the reason I wanted Best Buy was different reasons, but one of the reasons was it seemed that everybody in my high school worked there. Everybody. I mean, people who had graduated worked at that Best Buy, and so I said, it would be a great place to work at, hanging out with friends, people you play on the soccer team with, whatever it is, it'd be great to work there. But I also wanted to work there because there was this one girl I had a crush on, and... We had, I mean, yeah, whoa, that sounds like, like a stalker, I just realized, but I, I wasn't. She, she, actually, she actually recommended, she said, you should actually apply there. It would be good if you worked there. And I said, okay, I'll do that. I have a crush on you. And so I, I went and I applied, and I applied at that place, and finally I, it came time for the interview. And when I arrived for the interview, there was somebody else with me, and the lady said, okay, just wait right there on the side. The manager will be right with you. I said, perfect, interview time, it's on. So about five minutes later, we're waiting. Five minutes turns into ten minutes, we're waiting, and then that girl comes by, and she's like, oh, good luck on the interview, that's so great. I said, yeah, okay, see you later, I have a crush on you. And <laughs> we're waiting, ten minutes turns into 15 minutes, 15 minutes turns into 20 minutes, and then it's been over half an hour, and we're just waiting there, like, is this going to happen? And then after about maybe 40 minutes, the manager finally comes out, and he goes, are you guys waiting for somebody? <laughs> And we're like, yeah, we're here for the interview. He's like, how long have you guys been out here? He said, about 40 minutes. He said, you waited the entire time and you didn't say anything? And I was like, yeah, 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 you're right. That's a bad move. I'm probably not going to get this job. So, uh, you know, so we're there waiting the entire time, the two of us. And the whole time we're thinking, like, should we not? Should we not? Should we speak up? And, but the reason we didn't say anything at that time is because I felt like I didn't want to give the manager the wrong impression. I said, you know, I'm not trying to rush you or anything. You know, you are the manager. I'm just, I'm just curious. Have you forgotten about me? And, and maybe one of the reasons that we didn't ask uh, the manager is because, you know, I was in high school. He was the big boss. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't know. I, mean, I was a little intimidated. Why am I going to go talk with this manager because I'm waiting? And this whole question has stuck out for a long time is, you waited this entire time and you didn't do anything about it? I mean, have you guys experienced that in your lives where you have waited a long time to approach someone you needed to have an important conversation with? Have you put an important conversation on hold for quite some time? I mean, maybe it's at work because there's a conflict that's starting up. And there's somebody at work that you need to have a conversation with, or it's your roommate or one of your classmates, and you haven't approached that person, but you need to have that conversation. Maybe there's been those times where there's there's clearly a misunderstanding between you and another person or you and another group, and you have been waiting a long time just to approach them to solve this situation. 
Or maybe it's been a long time that you've approached somebody because it still hurts what they said about you. It still hurts what they did to you and your family. And so you waited a long time to approach that person that you needed to have an important conversation with. Have you guys experienced that with God? That it's been a long time since you've approached God with a certain topic in your life? Or have you put a certain part of your life on hold and you haven't brought that part to Jesus? Even though you've brought other things to Jesus, there's certain aspects of your life that you probably haven't had this conversation with Jesus in a long time. I mean, sometimes you, we come to God praying for others. We say, please, could you be with our friend here? Could you help them? Could you give them strength? Could you give them guidance in what's going on? But we don't really come to Jesus sometimes asking him to change our life and give us guidance, to give us hope. And we probably just gone to God with different situations in our life, scared, because maybe this guilt won't go away. And we keep waiting and waiting. We don't want to have that conversation with God. Have you found yourself taking a long time to speak with God about a very important conversation that you need to have? Let's turn to Mark chapter 10. And in Mark chapter 10, we're going to see how somebody, instead of waiting a long time, decided to respond immediately. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 um, Reading, it says that when they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with the large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. So we have this scenario right here. The story starts with Jesus walking with the disciples in this large crowd. And the time that this is going on, this is only a few days away from Passover, And because it's only a few days away from Passover, there's a lot of activity going on at this time. A lot of activity because Passover is only a few days away. And for us, when we see Passover during this time, we know that it doesn't just mean that Passover is a few days away. What this means is that it's only a few days until Jesus is arrested and crucified. I mean, this is during that time in the ministry of Jesus. Lots of activity, Passover's happening, and people are walking along the road. And there's another situation that's familiar here, and that is that Jesus is surrounded by people, by a large crowd. Because he's a teacher. He's the rabbi. I mean, that's what happens. If you're a rabbi, if you're a teacher, you're surrounded by people. People want to know what you're saying. You have everyone's attention. I mean, have you seen Fiddler on the Roof? Yeah, amen. I heard an amen for Fiddler on the Roof. Yes, amen. <laughs> you know, that, 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 the character, the rabbi, I always loved every scene he was in. He was always surrounded by people. They were always, like, taking notes and just attentive to everything he had to say. And there was a wedding. They said, well, what does the rabbi have to say? And everybody zooms in and just pays attention to what the rabbi has to say. And here's Jesus walking along this road with all this activity, but there's a crowd around Jesus because everybody's paying attention to what the teacher has to say. And they're walking on this road, and another familiar sight is happening. And that is that there's a beggar on the side of the road. Just outside of the city, there's a beggar. He's blind. But right here in Mark, we see that this blind beggar, his name is Bartimaeus. And something about just knowing the person's name just brings this home just a little bit more. I mean, do you know the name of a homeless person? 
I mean, maybe you see that person on the corner with the same sign at the same time of day, and maybe you even give them money every once in a while, but do you know their name? And I started asking myself, do I know a homeless person's names? But I know that as soon as I know somebody's name, it changes. They become more real. So you're reading this, and now you know that this beggar, his name is Bartimaeus, and it becomes more vivid. It's more personal. He's not just a beggar. He's a person. So this is the scenario that's happening, and it continues, and it says that when he heard, talking about Bartimaeus, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout. I mean, you see this as an immediate response to what was happening around him. He was sitting on the side of the road, but as soon as he recognized that Jesus was around him, he responded. And a couple weeks ago, we went with the young adults. We had a retreat. We went to Arrowhead. Yes, yes, their, their hands are right there. And we, we, had a, we had a great time, and we filled this cabin up. We went out. Uh, Scott was our head chef. Uh, he fed all of us, and he did an excellent job because we gave him a budget, and he was he, was, he went under budget. It was awesome. And it didn't, the, the food didn't taste as if we were on a budget. And it was excellent. We had great activities. We had hikes. We had a walk that turned into a hike. And it was, it was great. To, yeah, sorry. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it was great weather, good times. But the, one of the parts that I really valued was the times where we had worship together. And we had discussions. And one of the discussions we had revolved around the story of the man who was born blind. The man who was born blind, and that story, you you know that story when the disciples asked Jesus, so who sinned? Was it this person or his parents? And we started having a discussion about what it must have been like for that blind person to grow up, hearing that kind of comment, like maybe you're blind because you did something, or you're blind because your parents did something. And we had this conversation, and Elisa made a great comment that stood out to me in it. She said, you know, sometimes we think that because somebody is blind, that they're also deaf. That just because that kid growing up couldn't see, he could still hear what people were saying. And I saw that. I was like, that is such a good point. And I wrote it down. It was so good. And I'm reading this story, and this story, and that comment came to mind. And I'm reading this, and I'm like, this guy, Bartimaeus, he was blind, but he could hear, and he could shout. As soon as he recognized that Jesus was around him, He didn't get stuck with his blindness. It didn't matter. Even though he couldn't see Jesus, he knew Jesus was right in front of him. And so he began to shout. I mean, sometimes we just look at our life and we say, it's just not perfect yet, and so I'm not going to approach Jesus quite yet because i got to get this thing in order. I'm blind. But you don't have to wait because Jesus is in front of you, and you could shout to Jesus. So this is where it's at. He shouts, and everybody starts hearing this. And he's shouting, and it describes the crowd. It says that many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more. He said, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And so they called him, called the blind man, saying, Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. The crowd totally changes and starts getting excited. So could you imagine being Bartimaeus? I mean, finally, you hear that Jesus of Nazareth is here, and you're shouting for Jesus, and they're telling you to be quiet. Just stop talking. 
Jesus is busy right now. There's already a crowd around him. He doesn't have time for a beggar, and he keeps shouting. It doesn't matter. Jesus is right there, and he keeps shouting, and they try to get him to be quiet. So it's really frustrating and heartbreaking to look at this story and see that Bartimaeus was calling Jesus, and the crowd told him to stop. But the beautiful part of this story is that Jesus stopped the crowd and called Bartimaeus. It totally changes right here. Bartimaeus is calling Jesus, but Jesus stops the crowd and calls Bartimaeus. Game changer in this passage. After he's been pleading, after he's been needing Jesus in his life, it's Jesus who calls him to come before him. I want to look at this response again in verse 50. Look how he reacts once he hears that Jesus wants to see him. It says that he's a cloak He threw his cloak aside, and he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. I mean, this was another immediate reaction. He didn't wait any longer. He responded immediately to what Jesus was saying. And this cloak, if if you're a beggar, one of the very few things you have is your cloak, is that garment. You may not have food every day, but you definitely have a, a garment. You have a cloak that you have with you. It's one of the very few possessions you have. And some people say that when people would beg, when they would get the money, it would actually be held on their garment. So when they're sitting, they collect the money, it's on their garment. So when it says that Bartimaeus got up and threw his cloak aside, I mean, he's basically saying nothing else is as important as Jesus. You're probably hearing these coins that he's been collecting for a long time, and he throws them aside, and he starts running to Jesus. Nothing else was as important as approaching Jesus because he was called by Jesus. And he goes to him, and I want us to look at this question that Jesus asked him. Because this is the question that I want us to focus on. He said, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. He said, the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. What do you want me to do for you? I want you to think about your life right now. Think about your marriage. Think about your family. How would you respond to that question? in light of your marriage and your family. Think about your career. Think about the schooling you have going on. How would you respond to that question of, what do you want me to do for you? Think about your place here in Cala Mesa. And if Jesus would ask you, what do you want me to do for you here in Cala Mesa, what would your response be? A couple years ago, uh, something you guys don't, I haven't mentioned here is, when I moved to Michigan to, to study, my wife and I, we weren't married yet. And so we did the long distance thing. She was here in California. I was in Michigan. So we did long distance for a while. And so two years ago, I said, you know what? It's time. I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to ask her to marry me. And so I decided I'm going to do it during spring break. So I planned this trip for spring break. And because I was on a budget, I said, I can't go fly to Maryland to speak with her family and ask for their blessing. Right? I didn't have the money to do that. So I said, I got the next best thing, Skype. Good. So that, this is going to have to do for now. So I said, okay, here's the plan. I'm going to fly out from Michigan on Thursday. I'm going to have the Skype date with her family on Friday, and I'm going to pop the question on Saturday. It's going to be so good. It's going to be perfect. So I'm excited. I'm in school, and it's Thursday. I'm in class, and I get the phone call, and it says, uh, your flight is delayed, and it's so delayed, you're actually going to have to fly out tomorrow. I'm like, okay, well, that's not good. I don't want to wait. I want to start my spring break. I want to get this, this bad boy taken care of. You know, I want to ask this question. 
And then I wait the entire night, and the next morning we're ready to go, and then I get the phone call on the way to the airport saying, uh, it's late again. And I'm like, okay, that's not good. And Petey, actually, you gave me the ride. You gave me the ride. Yes, thank you. I, yeah, I owe you. Uh, and it's delayed again, and then I get to the airport, and it's a really small airport. It's South Bend Airport. It's one of those small airports that connects you to the bigger airports, so you can actually get to the, where you want to be. So I'm there. I get there in the morning. The flight leaves late afternoon. All right? I'm this tiny little airport. There's no Starbucks where you could you know, hang out, get internet, or there's no restaurant where you could watch sports or anything like that. You're just sitting. And I'm there for hours and hours and hours just waiting. And then right before we're going to board, I call Erika's uh, sister, Adriana. And I call her and I say, Adriana, here's your mission. You are to get your mom and your dad in the same room, and I want all three of you to be on Skype at 7.30 or whatever time it was. I need all three of you. Do not tell Erica. And she said, what? What? Follow? Are you going to propose to my sister? And I said, just take care of it. Just make the appointment. Be there. Just whatever. I'm, I'm going to get on the plane. And I get on the plane. Finally, I'm on the plane. And then they're like, we have some delays, and we're going to just roam around here for a little bit. Delayed again. And we start flying. And we land in Atlanta, <laughs> like the busiest airport in the world. And it's not just the busiest airport. It's the busiest airport after all these delays. So you're getting off the plane. And as soon as I get off the plane, her family's texting me. We're here. We're ready. Where are you? <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, I already started off on the, you know, <laughs> bad. And I'm there. And people are sitting against the wall. They're just on the floors. They're not just on chairs. They're everywhere. I'm walking, and I'm, my goals, I had two goals. I said, I need to find internet reception, and I need to find some privacy, because this is kind of an important conversation. So I'm walking. I finally get to, the, to, to where our gate is at, and there's one chair, and I'm like, perfect, semi-private. This will do. I get there, no internet reception, and another text message, are you okay? Are you there? And I'm like, oh, man. And I'm walking around the airport with my laptop, like, you know, doing this. I'm walking around. And I'm walking, and then I see these suites. It says you could rent suites for like half an hour, an hour. So you could take a nap or whatever. I said, perfect. I'll just rent a suite, and I'll have the conversation there. Do you have any suites available? Not for another couple hours. I said, you're no good to me. And I leave, and I'm starting to have that come to Jesus moment. I'm saying, Jesus, come on. I need some internet. I need some privacy. And I'm walking, and as I finish having that prayer, I look to my right, and there's a hole in the wall, and it's well lit. And it's where there, there's some chairs there because that's where you polish your shoes. And I'm telling you, as soon as I said amen, I look over, and that's well lit, and I heard angels. I'm telling you. They said, ah, oh, it was well lit. And I said, thank you, Jesus. And I get there, and there's internet reception, and I have privacy. And right as I'm going to start, because I'm trying to pay for the internet service, and Right when I'm going to do that, somebody comes up and he says, are we allowed back here? And I said, I don't know. And he says, man, I'm going to sit right here right next to you. This is perfect. I said, not perfect for me, man. And I said it in my head. But, and I didn't want to tell the guy, like, could you leave? I'm going to have a private conversation with, you know, my future fiance. Because um, then I was going to look silly, like, why are you having that conversation on Skype in the airport? You know, so I, I just kept it to myself, and I had another come to Jesus moment. I said, Jesus, I need internet, and I need some privacy. And I look over to the left, the other side of the, the hall, and there's a hole, and it's well lit. And I heard angels, and I went there, and that one definitely looked like I wasn't allowed to be in there, but at that point, I didn't care. And I went there, internet reception, and there's privacy. And I lean against the wall, and I slide down, and I'm on the floor, and finally I click. And boom, the family is there, all three of them. 
finally. And the first question they ask is, so Pablo, what did you want to talk about? <laughs> and as soon as they asked that question, I was sitting down, and it was just kind of like everything just, I just let everything go. I was just like, oh, here it goes. Because before that, I had written down my points, what I was going to say. I mean, I had my introduction, my main body, the appeal, sir, uh, like special music. I had everything. It was, it was ready to go. And when they asked that question, they said, Pablo, so Pablo, what did you want to talk about? I just, I just spoke from my heart. And I just told them exactly how I felt about Erica and what I wanted and, and what I wanted from them. And, and I wanted their blessing. I just spoke. And I just told them what was on my heart. And, you know, even though they knew what that conversation was going to be about, they wanted to hear it from me. And even though I knew that they knew what I wanted to talk about, it felt so good when I finally got to speak with them. I mean, there were so many things that got in the way before that conversation took place. But when I got there, man, it felt so good. So when they said, what do you want to talk about? I told them. So Bartimaeus is there, and Jesus asks him, so what do you want me to do? What's on your mind? What's on your heart? Let's talk about this. And Bartimaeus tells him, hey, I want to see. This thing has taken its toll on my life, and I don't want it anymore. I'm tired of people passing me by. I'm tired of sitting on the side of the road just waiting for something to happen. I want to see. And it says that Jesus said, go. Your faith has healed you. He said, go. Your faith has healed you. We don't know what Bartimaeus believed. Like, we don't know exactly what he believed about Jesus. We just know that he responded to Jesus. We just know that even though he was blind, he knew Jesus was right there, and he responded in a way that went to Jesus and told him exactly what was going on in his life. And I love how this chapter ends. Because after Jesus says that, go, your faith has made you well, it says that immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. He started this story sitting on the side of the road, and now it says that he followed Jesus along the road. He wasn't waiting anymore. He found Jesus, and he kept talking, and he started walking with Jesus. I mean, maybe some of us have already had that conversation with Jesus, and we've had the same petition over and over again. But let's keep talking. Let's dig deeper. Let's be more open and honest with Jesus and where we're at in our lives. Let's not stop with the prayer. Let's keep that walk with Jesus going because he's called you. He stopped the crowd to call your name. So don't be afraid to approach Jesus Stop waiting. It's been way too long. Let's pray. God, we are here praying to you because in some form, you've spoken to us. You've called us by name. And you also know us. So we ask that you help us feel comfortable and recognize the safety there is in having communion with you and telling you exactly what's on our minds, telling us our secrets. Thank you for that privilege. May we continue talking with you and walking with you as we go through our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.